I, I guess I'm relieved. Not really. I have good insurance. A lot of the people that have been hurt don't have insurance. We're going to help them. Well, that's a sobering way to get started, isn't it? Y'all having fun yet? <laughs> <sighs> After I finish, you may think it's going to get worse. We'll see. <laughs> I have been conducting back to live love launch in a different way this morning in the way that we pre-hurricane had planned. I've been conducting a very unscientific anecdotal survey. And my survey is this. What kind of stuff do you regularly, regularly talk about in your families, whatever your family constellation is? You might be living alone, but you, you didn't always, maybe, I, whatever. You might have 10 kids in your house. Who knows? But all that, what do you talk about? And I just did autobiographical here. You ready? Here's what we talk about in my family. When my boys live with Kathy and me. They're my boys. <laughs> Particularly on Sundays, we talk about sports. Ugh. I mean, it don't even be a Seminole. You know what I'm saying? Don't be one. So we talk about sports all the time. Too much. I'm a rabbit. I'm shallow and immature. We talk about work all the time. And what do I mean by work? I mean it in the broadest sense. In our family, we talk about where are boys learning a work ethic? What about our two jobs and just our vocation? Some of you talk about work in your family. Some of you work and you have a job and you get a paycheck for it. Some of you stay at home and you work there. You, you talk about that kind of stuff all the time. At least we do. We often in our family and still do would talk about relationships within the family but other relationships. And oftentimes it would be a conflict in the relationship that precipitated the need to kick it around a little bit. We talked about that kind of stuff. In our family, I don't know about yours, but you know, occasionally, every now and again, pretty regularly, we'd have some arguments. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that no one else in this room ever has any kind of family argument. No. So I think we talked a lot, and we talk a lot about the right way to live. And for me as a dad and as a husband, I wanted my life and I wanted my family life, I wanted us to be raising the bar so that the things that were most profoundly important in life, we were supporting and encouraging and disciplining towards in the sense of training, but also disciplining in the sense of it went wrong and we got to make you know that it was wrong and how can we help you get it right, that kind of stuff. We talk a lot about the future in our family, just stuff that we want to do, vacations, uh, 20 years from now, everything in between. We talked about kids who were bad for our kids. You ever do that? Mom, dad, kid. There's kids in the room. You may have the sense that this kid is not good for you. You may open up with your mom or dad about it. We talk about that kind of stuff. What's going on today? It wasn't really so much with us. Video games. Are we talking about video games at home regularly and kids who are on the computers all the time? I think so. Here's the one thing that we want to make sure we are really clear about, that families talk about all the time, and this church family talks about all the time, and I just want to put it right out on the table. You ready? Thump. Money. We talk about money all the time. And you need to know that the research is clear. This is not anecdotal what I'm saying. Financial tension is probably the number one thing that puts stress on marriages. Uh, so uh, it's just, if you think your marriage is strained, and if you think it's strained because of money, and if you think you're alone, you're not. It's sort of going on everywhere. That's really a place where people really feel it. And 
we, it could be any number of things about money. I don't want to go through all of that. I'm just saying we want in our church family, just the way you're doing at home in your family, to, to demystify and take all the tension out of talking about money. I just want to talk about it this morning. We're going to talk about money. And the goal here is to get launched. Live, love, launch. And that's what I want for us to have happen. So just to reference back to that Right Now Media cool thing that, uh, that McLean did a few minutes ago where, she, where you get it for free. We just pay the subscription. You may have heard the guy on the stage in the big room, and he said, if you've ever made a mistake with money, you know what that makes you? Pause. Over 12? Okay, that guy's name is Dave Ramsey. And he has this phenomenal thing that he does called Financial Peace University. And he teaches people how to win with their money, families, individuals, and everybody in between, even churches. How can I win with my money? That's what Ramsey does. Now, I have some really bad news for you. You ready? I'm going to give you the Dave Ramsey summary real quick. You ready? Here it goes. This is what he says you do with your money. Give. In, in this order. Give. Save. Spend the rest. I'll repeat myself. Was that hard to keep up with? <laughs> Give, save, spend the rest. Now, actually, I'm cheating because he adds two more pieces in there. They're sort of obvious, but he says, Give. Then he says, Pay your taxes. Huh? Are you dodging the man? <laughs> then he says, Save and invest. That's three. Four is pay down debt. Five, spend the rest. Now, for most of us, in order to be able to do the first four, we got to tweak the spend the rest part. And I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, this is a great journey to be on together. And you're going to find that Jesus wants to meet you right where you are so that you can learn how to live freely, how to, as Ramsey says it, win with your finances. Now, I'm not a financial consultant, and that's not what I'm doing here. You heard it all. That's it. You win with your money if you can give, then save, then spend the rest. Now, let me just step aside from that theoretical thing and talk conceptually about Kathy and me. Growing up with our family, I give myself C+, plus about that little, that little spectrum. And the reason, I, the reason is because I was insecure and tight. And I didn't, I didn't hurt you. I'm looking at Kathy on, online. I didn't hurt Kathy, but I was just uptight. I was not comfortable inside myself because I felt insecure about money. And that's my family of origin stuff. I'm not going to get all psychological on you. However, in my family growing up, we, just, we, got, we got along okay, but there just wasn't much. And if I wanted anything other than just basic provision, I had to have a job, save the money, and go buy it for myself. By the grace of God, that formed me deeply into who I am. Because I personally, the way I'm wired, I guess because partially insecurity and partially good habits, I've never in my life bought anything I couldn't afford to pay for. So I don't have monthly credit card debt. I'm not paying interest on a credit card. And I, I'm just telling you about me and how I've grown. But I, I've been around a while, and this has been a while since I got to where I felt at peace with money. But I do now. I'm at peace. I didn't bring it with me. I'll probably bring it next week. But I have my giving budget. I say, my, Kathy, she loves God, and she loves money, but she doesn't love keeping track of it, and she doesn't do budgets, and she doesn't do spreadsheets, and so she trusts me. I could be stealing you blind, and you wouldn't know <laughs> 
I mean, I could have a house on, in an island and you would have no clue. <laughs> Kathy could not get in online to one of our bank accounts if it was dark and it was, she had both hands and it was her behind she was looking for. <laughs> God bless her, look at her. <laughs> she just trusts me, but I'm trustworthy. So I, I've grown, I decided I'm giving myself an A minus now. But man, it's taken a long time. So what's happening now, my list, it's what Kathy and I are going to do next year with giving. And in all honesty, it's really not hard for me. And what I, I don't mean, I'm not, I'm, you know I'm not trying to brag or anything. I just sounds, off, I sounds self, I don't mean it that way. It means in some way that I'm slightly uncomfortable with, it's kind of easy. I think maybe God wants it to be a little more difficult for me. Maybe he's wanting to stretch me. I'm not sure. I want you to know that I'm really open to that. But Kathy and I are going to give away off the top, and we've got that in our budget first. And by the grace of God, I just do it. And I, you know, I give and I save. I, I pay my taxes. Don't have any debt other than house and car. And then I spend the rest. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Kathy, a budget ain't that hard. <laughs> But I haven't always felt at peace about it. God takes us just where we are. And then in a real dynamic relationship with him, he turns us into people who know how to live, who know how to love, and who, who launch. I want to be launched. I am launched. I'm doing my best. You want to be launched also. So live, love, launch. Let me hit you with some grammar. You ready? Those are to be taken for these three sessions as imperatives. You know what an imperative is? I, mean, I don't mean that colloquially. I mean it grammatically. It means command. It's plural. You, plural, us, family. Let's live. We're being told to live. We're being told to love and we're being told to launch. I mean, I think that's the thrust of the text of Scripture. Where do I get that from? The very first chapter of the very first page of the book. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. What's going on? The human beings, Adam and Eve, are living in the garden and everything is flourishing. And they are living and being told to live and they're loving and being told to love and they're launching and being told to launch. And how do I mean that? We're told that we are made in God's image, which means that we are God's partners in the flourishing creation of all that there is out there, we have this garden, and in it is agriculture, and they're growing things, and everything is great. There's no conflict. There's no family tension about budgets. Everything is flourishing. Everything. And so the human being is God's partner. Think of this word partner. You and I, created in God's image, we're God's image bearers, and we are God's partners in the flourishing of everything. And we get to create all kinds of stuff with God's stuff. See, that's really important stopping point. It's God's stuff, all of it. But here's what happened. Theologically, we call it the fall. Chapter 3, Genesis 1 and 2, creation, magnificent, God's image bearers, God's partners. We are told by God to go do, till it, make it into good stuff, make it flourish. And we're doing it. We're having a blast. And then we decide with respect to the creation in our stuff, we decide it's ours and we're in control of it. That's another way of describing human sin, rebellion. It's not yours, God, it's mine. And how hard is that not to feel that way about your check account? It is yours. But really? 
So see, it's all God's because God made it all. And that's where we wrestle so much. And that's why any conversation about money, you think I'm messing with you. I'm not messing with you. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want something for me. I want you to live. I want you to love. I want you to launch. But if we don't get it right with stuff, we're holding back a huge part of who we are. What happens with many of us is with money and with faith and with God, we're just tipping him. I don't say that to be judgmental. Believe me, that's not at all. I'm just describing it. Because it's a journey. For me, it's been a journey. We take, God takes us just where we are, and it's okay not to be okay. Two things we sloganize around here. Come just as you are, and it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay there. Because if we're going to be, if we're going to love and if we're going to live and we're going to launch, we understand that that's something that God gives us. So let's look at a dude that gets lived on, loved on, and launched. Zacchaeus. Let's take a peek at Zacchaeus. You may not know about Zacchaeus. He's a, he's a crook. He's a scoundrel. He's a traitor. But man, he meets Jesus. It's a real relationship. And he is really, really going to get transformed. Watch what happens to this greedy little dude. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. Jesus entered Jericho. Jericho is about 18 or 20 miles northeast of Jerusalem. Okay? Go that way. He enters Jericho, was passing through. He's on his way to Jerusalem to be executed, and he knows it. This is chapter 19. He's executed soon, a couple of chapters later. Luke, Jesus is entering Jericho, was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, which means he had a Ponzi scheme going. He not only collected taxes, but he got taxes off his collectors. You with me? It's a good gig if you can get it. Okay, so he's a, and the reason he's, he's a traitor in the sense that he's Jewish and he's collecting taxes from his Jewish college, his citizens, his fellow citizens, giving them to the Romans, but he has the authority and power to take as much as he wants. So he's ripping them off. He's ripping off people. And most of them were just working poor people. So that's what's going on. And he's chief tax collector and he's wealthy. But watch what happens next. There's something going on in his life. It's a little bit of unrest inside of him. He wants to see Jesus. You see, it says there, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But he was a sawed-off little dude, so he couldn't see over the crowd. So he runs ahead, sees the parade route, runs ahead and climbs a tree. Look at what it says here. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he runs ahead and climbs a sycamore fig to see him, since Jesus is on his way. Story goes on. Jesus reaches the spot, and he looks up and says to him, Wait a minute. Jesus reaches the spot where this lost, hurting outsider had no friendships, not a part of the family. Why? Because he was ripping everybody off. He's Jewish, but his Jewish friends, his Jewish fellow citizens, the people in the city, they won't have anything to do with him. I'm sure he's in the crowd that's throwing elbows. He's a lonely, lost, desperate but hungry person. And he's corrupt inside in the sense that he's willing to sell his whole soul in order to accumulate this wealth. He thinks it's his and he thinks he's in control of it. Oh, he's just desperately lost. But he is wealthy. Look what happens. Zacchaeus, Jesus looks at him, knows his name. 
Jesus Christ knows us. He knows who we are. He takes us just the way we are. Come as you are. It's okay not to be okay. A real relationship with me is going to result in a launched transformation in you. That's what's going to happen here. Watch. Jack, come down, son. Immediately get out of that tree. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. We're going to hang out. The intimacy of a meal in that culture, not like ours. We just have meals with people all over the place. Not, you don't invite people to your home in this culture unless you are boys. Okay, I'm coming to your house, Zach. So Zach climbs down at once and welcomes him gladly. Something's inside of Zacchaeus. He's wrestling with what he knows deep down inside himself. It's just a foul, corrupt inner life. How could you keep ripping people off and be wealthy? It's clear. He's lonely. He has no friends. They, if he shows up at the synagogue, I don't, who knows? Maybe they throw him back out. I don't know. He's welcomes, he welcomes him gladly. All the people, by the way, the other folks are watching this. Look at what happens to them. They get all offended. Their scruples get it out. This Zacchaeus guy is, quote, a sinner. That is, he's, he's a bad person. He's outside of all the rules and regulations of the Jewish order. They're looking at him. They're judging him. Man, alive is he getting judged. We, we're not in the judging business. Oh, is it so beautiful? You might be tempted to judge people who are trafficked. I might be. But, oh, is it is unbelievably redemptive to see what's going on with that mission which we just have had illustrated, right? Right, so here he is, just as corrupt in a totally different way. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. In other words, he's hanging out with a scumbag. That makes him a scumbag. So Jesus is getting painted into the same corner that these judges are doing to Zacchaeus. Well, Zacchaeus, really, honestly, he deserved it, sort of, right? But God doesn't hold us accountable completely for where we are. Instead, God restores us. Zacchaeus is about to get loved. He's about to start living, and he's going to launch. Watch what happens. Zacchaeus stands up and says to the Lord, to Jesus, Look, look, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Now stop and think about it a minute. This is a dude who's loaded. So don't, don't think he's all of a sudden going to have to live in a tent on the street. He's not. He has assets, and he's redirecting them. Not everybody has assets that they can redirect like that. But he needed to do it because he had accumulated them illegally and at other people's expense. He automatically says, I'm going to monetize my assets and I'm going to take care of people who are in trouble. One of the reasons he's got to take care of the poor is because he's ripping them off. Right? So, and, and if I've cheated anybody out of everything, anything. Now, let's not get the contingency wrong here. He's not saying, if I have, I don't really think I have. He's, saying, he's really saying this. If you're one of the people I cheated, fill out the application... I'm going to pay you back. But look how much he pays them back. Four times the amount. Well, the Jewish rule said you got to pay him back twice. He's doubled down. He's a different guy. Talk about launch. Look what happens. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. And look what Jesus does. He restores him to the family. Because this one, too, is a son of Abraham. That's a way of saying part of the Jewish family. Not only does he get right with himself, he gets right with his possessions. He realizes they're not mine. I don't control them. I'm giving a bunch of stuff away, and I should because I've stolen it. And I'm going to double down and go way past what the rules require because his heart has been exploded. And now he's a son of Abraham.
which means he's been restored by Jesus to the family. And Zacchaeus is now a free dude. And they would have taken him back because they would have seen it. And they said, man, I, you, I hated you, but not anymore. You're my brother. Give him a big hug. That's what happened. And here he is now full of joy because he's a part of a family and he's using his assets to make other people's lives work again. Watch what happens the second time. This is such a total. You may be thinking, I, I ain't rich, so this ain't about me. Well, okay, I got you then. Here, I, I, got, you in the, I got you right where I want you. <laughs> here we go. Watch this one. Luke chapter 21. See, Luke wants us to know what I've already suggested, which God owns all of it, and we're making a huge mistake if we think it's ours and if we think we can be in control of it. That's not the way it works with money. Jesus looks up. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. The people that do what I do, which is read and try to figure out what that means, what could it have been? Maybe two days' wages. A coin would be a day's wages. Maybe two coins would be two days for a working person. I don't know, do your math. $11 an hour times eight times two, something like that. The poor widow put in two small, very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, widow. A widow is a very vulnerable person in this culture. It's just the way it works. The poor widow has put in more than all the others. Wait a minute. Is this financial planning? <laughs> no, she didn't. She put in two days of labor's wages. She didn't put in more. Unless we're talking about the living, loving, launching heart of the almighty God of the universe who owns it all and who made it all. Oh, then now we see a, it's a snapshot of what happens when God gets a hold of somebody and makes them into a person who's so grateful for everything they have. We just want to be a part of making the thing better. Launched. This woman is launched. She's just like Zacchaeus became already. How could you be poor and give what little you have? She's got two nickels to rub together and she gives them all to God. She's way, way more at peace in life than he was before Jesus plucked him out of the tree. But now they're on the same page together. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping he slipped her a little love on the side. Wouldn't that be great if Zacchaeus found this woman and helped her out, paid her rent, gave her something to eat, gave her a job? Truly, I tell you, Jesus says, this poor widow has put in more than the others all combined. These people give their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. So just a few other comments that I want to say about money. This woman and this man, they really have experienced the same love of God. And so if Zacchaeus didn't create love, it, he was loved by Jesus. And then he can respond in love. He didn't create flourishing. He was flourished upon by Jesus. So he can now really live fully. And so he comes out of there so excited to be able to be a contributor. He's now a net contributor, not a net taker. He's a net giver. Zacchaeus has become a, from, he's transformed from a taker to a giver. I don't know how to break this to you, but I think Zacchaeus had, had a budget. And I don't know how to break this to you. If you want to be free, if I want to be free, friends, the, the takeaway this morning, here it comes. You got to have a budget. You ain't got a budget. <laughs> Many of us don't. 
Many of us don't have budgets. That doesn't make you a bad person, but it makes you, like Dave Ramsey said, if you've made a mistake with money, what that means is you're over 12. We have to have budgets. And the reason we have to have budgets is because we're human beings and we're tempted to think it's all ours and we're tempted to think we're in control of it. And it's just, those are just not true things. Just read Genesis 1 and 2 in the number 3. It's God made all of it. It all belongs to God. We're his partners, his image bearers. And you could say we're his managers. And you know what God wants us to do? In whatever way God has made special for us, he wants to launch us so that we can go out like Zacchaeus and do cool stuff with every part of our life, including our money. Two, two quick examples. There's a family. I'm not going to use their name. They're a part of this family of faith, this church right here. And they have two adult children. And this mom and dad said, well, we're going to pay for their college education debt. We're not telling them up front that we're paying for it all. We're going to say, we'll do what we can. You're going to have to borrow money to get through school. And they said to their older kid, well, to each other, I mean, they said to each other, we're going to go at the end of when they graduate, and without them knowing it ahead of time, we're going to pay off the debt. Is that cool? Huh? Like the kid's working in school, and the kid graduates, and the kid's dreading this debt, and mom and dad show up and say, I got it. Right? So they did that with the older kid. He goes through school, and he does a good job. He didn't get out of line. He finished in four years. By the way, your children telling you college takes five years, you've been duped. It's already 60 grand a year if you go somewhere away. You're getting crushed. They're lying to you. They, can do, they just want another football season is what they want. If you're willing to pay another 60 grand for your kid to have a football season, you knock yourself out. Anyhow, I digress. The, the, the son, the older child, receives it with great gratitude and joy. And he says, but wait a minute. You're going to do that for his, for his sister, for the younger sister? Don't do, don't do that to her. Please don't do that to her. She'll be so stressed out. Tell her now. So they listened to their son. They told her before she got into debt that when she got into debt, at the end of it, they just played it differently because she was a different kid. She worked really hard. She got through in four years, and when she finished, she knew because she had kept her in the deal they were going to pay it off, and they did. Is that not unbelievable? Is that not great? If you don't have a budget, you can't pay off your kid's debt. If you want to give that to your kid, some of us have our parents give us an education. Some of us work through some of a combination, but you can't pay off your kid's debt unless you're like Zacchaeus and you got a whole pile of money somewhere. You can't do it. You need to plan it. So you got to have a budget. Here's another thing I want you to do about the budget. Second takeaway. If you have kids and if you think they're going to go to college, start saving. <laughs> it's just that simple. Start saving. There's plenty of great tools to do it. Here's another thing I want you to do. This will drive you towards a budget. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay for your next vacation. First thing is I want you to go on vacation. And the second thing I want you to do is pay for it with what? Cash. How about that? Let that one sink in for a while. Go on vacation, but pay for it with cash. I promise you God will, I promise you God will honor your effort to figure out how can I squirrel it away and pay for it with cash because God bless us. We go on vacation, but many of us are cha-ching, ringing it up. The card, you don't even have to stick it in the machine anymore. You just go like this and tap it, and it goes ding, 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 ding. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Right? If you work and you think one day you want to stop work, what Ramsey said was save and invest. There's, now, this is the third part. 
It's a fourth part, really. Have a budget. In the budget, pay for your vacation with cash. Save money for your kid to go to college. Here's another thing you got to do. If you think you'll want to not earn a paycheck in life, you're going to still be launched. You're still God's partner. You're still out there doing what you can do to enlarge the footprint of the kingdom, right? Save money and invest it so that you can one day not have to have a paycheck, right? You probably ain't making a big enough contribution to your 401k. I, I, that's, I, I, I think that's where I'm getting less than a full A+, because I don't think I was disciplined enough. How much do you save? I don't know. You talk to the financial people about that. 5%, 10% off the top, save it. There's a fourth one. And you won't be able to do any of this if you don't have a budget. What happens right now today if, like a good friend of mine in this room, you leave here and you get home and you find out that your $375 tire got a nail here in the parking lot at the First Presbyterian Church because we're in construction, do you have extra $375 because the nail went in the side of the tire and it can't be repaired? Do you have a little money set aside, a little slush fund, just in case you get into trouble? That's, that's very demanding, isn't it? Rome wasn't conquered in a day, so budget means taking little steps towards realizing i got to submit my money to God. And God will help you grow into peace with your budget, and you may have to suck it up and not necessarily do spend on this side in order to be able to save on this side. That's your choice. Nobody's telling you what to do. But here's what I know. The really free people are the people whose money is working for them. That's who's really free. That's why Ramsey calls it Financial Peace University. That's why he says we win with our money. That's why I tell you personally, and I, I would want you to want me to talk about this with integrity. I can talk with you integrity. I'm at peace. I, I just am. It's not like I don't have tension in the financial part of life. It's just I'm at peace with it, as opposed to 30 years ago really being nervous and worried all the time. And one person in the room used to make fun of me and say, well, it's just figures. And I had a 79-line budget. And I made myself sick with that budget because I was worried. And then I started learning how to give first. And the next thing you know, I'm at peace. And I just can't wait till 2023 and because we get to give again. I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to remind you in my prayer what the walk away is. I want us to be people that have experienced the love of Jesus. Zacchaeus. I want to come hang with you. I'm going to make you into a new person. And God will bless you and restore you and heal you and transform you as you just take the next step towards remembering that it's not yours and remembering that you don't control it. And you just, in your way, in one small step at a time, start to let this beautiful part of our life, our material possessions, let this be something also that you give back to God. So let me say a prayer. Gracious God, we stop and we remember again our friends, people we know, people we don't know, mostly people we don't know whose lives have been devastated. And somehow you're going to nudge our hearts because of this storm to take some of what we might have used for other purposes and use it for diapers and toilet paper and water and food and gift cards and a trip down, whatever it is. And we'll just keep listening and keep responding in whatever way we can. And we want to be people that experience your love and therefore become loving. We want to be a people who've experienced new life inside ourselves and therefore we live even more. We want to be people who can't wait to get launched into our lives and into the world on the mission that we're in partnership with you to fulfill, whatever it might be. It might be helping our kid get through college. It might be hurricane relief. 
It might be a neighbor. It might be a parent who we know is going to run out of money and we're going to have to help them in another three or four years. Who knows? Gracious God, you, you want us to enjoy peace and you want us to do it and we know that we have to manage our own lives in, in, in conversation with you and we know that's just the good work of building a budget, a revenue expense plan. Help us, gracious God, to be people that allow ourselves to be loved by you. You speak our name. You take us just as we are. You move us into a transformed new life. And we want that to be even the case with our budget. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, let's sing one last time this morning. Who made-